0: You see, some of what makes us weary and worn out is the sense of regret. If only I had spent one more day with that person before they passed away. If only I hadn't made these decisions or said these things, these relationships wouldn't be there. If only in this sense of shame for the things we've done, but even more for who we've become in doing them. On that day, he's gonna remove that shame from us
1: take it away altogether. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.
0: Bah humbug to the rest of you. As I left Wednesday night from our Advent service, I got in the car and stuck around a little bit later. I'm talking with some people and when I left, Uh, It just happened that on the radio they were starting Charles Dickens' A Christmas Story. So I heard a whole lot of bah humbug that night. And it brought me a strange joy. It brought me a strange joy because I actually liked that story quite a bit. But also, as every time he said bah humbug, uh, I couldn't help but think of what it really means. This utterance of annoyance at something that has no meaning. That's completely Meaningless. Over the last several weeks, we have been talking about things that take away our meaning in Christmas. We began with the reality that from an early age, there's this like magical, wonderful Christmas we dream of that almost never happens. And so the older we get, the easier it is to become disillusioned with the fact that we never have that one moment that makes Christmas everything we hoped for. Our expectations go unmet. And then after that, we talked about how sometimes we feel this sense of bah humbug because we're told to be jolly and merry and bright, and we feel anything but jolly. So we have to put on a face, and we have to act, and we have to pretend to be happy and merry when we're not. And then last week, we talked about something important. Even pastors forget things sometimes. We talked about something you can find online. Oh, there it is. All right. This week, however, this week, there's a reality about Christmas that uh, sometimes Christmas isn't all that great because we have nothing to give. Like this last year, maybe you've looked at your bank account, and while your income hasn't gone up that much, the cost of everything else has. And so you're feeling a little squeezed, and you quite literally are like, I want to give more, but I can't. Or maybe you've ordered gifts on Amazon or some other delivery service, and that was months ago, and they haven't arrived, and they're stuck who knows where to get here who knows when, or you went to the stores in person and the shelves were empty and so everybody gets a fruitcake this year. (laughs) Maybe it's not the physical things you want to give, but something a little deeper. Maybe this last year has been really, really hard and you want to give your energy and your love and your joy and your peace and your hope and you are just spent with nothing left. You've spent the whole year caring for a loved one who's sick and dying or a loved one in addiction who doesn't want to find healing. You've spent this last year grieving the people you wish were here and they're not. Maybe this Christmas feels meaningless because you have nothing left in your tank to give. And sometimes in the church there's an attitude that says you've got to Pick yourself up and carry on anyway. And you gotta show up on Sunday when somebody asks the question, how you doing? I'm doing great, how about you? Even though you're nothing but great. And you have to act like not only do you have it together, but that you have the strength to be pleasant to everybody. Some people are really hard to be pleasant to. Did you know that? And sometimes even the people we love the most are really hard because we just, don't have anything to give and so this christmas as we seek to find meaning what do we do when we have nothing to give the people who need something from us the most where do we turn when we are running on empty and don't know how to refill so of course the best place for us to turn is the old testament book zephaniah how many of you even knew that was a book like, I put that in our planning server so that uh, the media team could, like, get it ready for the slides, and this morning, like, was that, is that even a real book? I said, yeah, it comes right after the book of Hesitations, and the book, right before the book of Second Opinions, all right? <laughs> Zephaniah is only three chapters. You could go home and read it all today, and I promise, if you go home and you read it all today, you'll be like, what? <laughs> Why? Because Zephaniah is not happy. God is angry with his people, and the whole three chapters, God's like, I'm coming in judgment. I'm going to destroy things, not only for you, but for all of your enemies. I'm going to judge them too. And are like, ooh, that isn't pleasant, God. But Zephaniah ends with this great promise, a promise for those who have nothing to give. And that's why I want us to look there today. So if you want to turn in the Bibles in front of you or upstairs, it's page 986. If you brought your own Bible, it's someplace in the Old Testament, near the end, but not quite. Zephaniah, in this context of judgment where God has warned that he's coming against the people of Israel, and then he's going to turn around and come against their enemies who he just used to destroy them, we get this at the end. Verse nine, for at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones shall bring my offering. God, he begins to shift the narrative from judgment. He says, but there's this time coming After all of this, after the weary and the worn down and the beat up, after being exhausted and wondering, where are you, God? In that time, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the speech to be pure, that they may call upon me. I'm going to bring those who are far away, the dispersed ones, and they shall be the ones coming before me with an offering. On that day, you shall not be put to shame, Because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. God says on that day after this trouble, after this weariness and this exhaustion, after all of this passes on that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds you did before me. You see, some of what makes us weary and worn out is the sense of regret. If only I had spent one more day with that person before they passed away. If only I hadn't made these decisions or said these things, these relationships wouldn't be there. If only in this sense of shame for the things we've done, but even more for who we've become in doing them. On that day, he's going to remove that shame from us. And take it away altogether. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies. Nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down and none shall make them afraid. Here at the end of this little prophet all about God's judgment. God gives a promise. After all of this has come to pass, after that exhausted season where you're worn out and have nothing left, I am going to do a great thing. I'll make all of you humble, and you'll lie down and you'll graze imagery used in psalms to describe how God provides for and cares for His people. He says, "After all of that, I will be enough." And then he continues, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil we have now heard that phrase a couple of times. The Lord is in your midst. In Matthew, when Jesus arrives, he's given a name, Emmanuel, God with you. In that day, after all of this pain and all of this sorrow, in that day, the Lord will be in your midst forever. He'll be with you. Verse 16 On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. We're gonna come back to this a little bit. But I love how Zephaniah, he ends this promise of God's judgment. In that day when all of this is past, when all of it is over, in that day, I'm gonna restore you in a way you've never imagined. I'm gonna build you up like you didn't even know you needed. In that day, make all things right. See, we are gathered here this morning because the truth is no matter how put together you or I feel or even are, every one of us, when it ultimately comes down to it, has very little to give if we haven't first received. Jesus, he, There's Zephaniah here, he speaks about that coming day where God will be in our midst and all of our shame will be no more. And all of our brokenness will end. All of our mourning will be turned to rejoicing. Language we hear Jesus later pick up where he talks about mourning will turn to dancing and joy. Where he talks about, blessed are those who mourn for theirs shall be a great inheritance. This language of the lame being healed and the oppressed, their reproach, being taken away. God is with you. Now, most of us gather on Sunday morning, and if I were to ask you, why do we gather, I can imagine there would be a whole host of different reasons. Like, if I were to ask you right now, how many of you would say, we gather to worship God? That's what we do on Sundays. Anybody? It's not a wrong opinion. Or, or what about we gather to encourage one another, right? Like, obviously life is tough, so we need to look across the pew and see somebody else is also struggling, it'll be okay. Or when we're struggling, somebody can come alongside us and say, hey, here's some hot coffee, it'll be okay. So, so maybe we gather for worshiping God, or we gather for encouragement, or, or maybe by some profound chance you hoped that Vicar Adam would be preaching today because then you would get something of substance and value and you're disappointed to find out yet again it's not him. You gather hoping to have some profound word spoken, something you've never heard, or something that encourages or teaches or changes, and you walk away a brand new person. All of those are good reasons for us to gather, but I believe there's a better one still. See, maybe you've heard the language around the church where we talk about going to the church service or the worship service. Have you ever heard that language before? And there's this idea sometimes that when we're gathered together, it's all about what we bring and give to God or give to others or give to one another or give to our neighbor who's new in our midst, give to others. And this is absolutely exhausting because how do we gather when we don't have much to give? When the idea of talking to somebody is stressful, not because we don't love them, but because we're afraid they're gonna ask us to love them in a way we don't think we can. But what if our gathering has less to do with what we bring and more to do with what we receive? Jesus in Matthew, he's asked about who is the greatest among us? And this is what he says in Matthew. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, look, if you want to be great, you have to become less in the same way that the Son of Man has become less for you, for me elsewhere he's washing the disciples' feet and Peter's like no 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 Jesus you can't wash my feet and Jesus says unless I wash your feet you have no part in my kingdom so Peter's like wash my whole body and Jesus is like no 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 your feet will suffice it's it's okay <laughs> see there's a reality that we can bring and serve and give to others through our time together through our holiday celebrations, through whatever this week may hold. But there's also a reality that unless somebody first gives to us, we have nothing of value. We are running on empty of people worn out and exhausted, and we need God himself to serve us first. First. In fact, that language of church service or worship service uh, used to actually be called a God service. In German, it was Gottesdienst, a divine service where God himself promises in our gathering to be here with us, to forgive us, to cover all of our shame and all of our brokenness and all of our mess. God himself promises to be here for you And for me. So the idea is that we actually come and gather not to give, but to receive. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the reason I stand up here, or Vicar Adam stands up here, is to preach his word in such a way that you cannot walk away with wonderful nuggets of wisdom. Because I have very few of those. But rather that you can walk away encouraged, by who Jesus is, by what he's doing today for you and with you. And when we hear God's word, we receive the strength to stand against all weariness and all exhaustion and say, it will be okay, for God is in my midst and he's with us. Not only this, we believe that here in a moment when we receive communion, it's not just reminding us of God, but in some wonderful, mysterious way, God has promised to actually physically be with us as we eat and we drink, that we can again receive his very presence for the strength and the encouragement for whatever the rest of the day may bring. God is with us, and he's here to serve you and to serve me. So that when we have nothing to give, we're invited to just receive. So I'm gonna come back to Zephaniah. Verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Picture that. God himself looks upon you right now in all of your struggles and all of your hurt and all of your pain and all of your exhaustion. And he celebrates. Not that you've gotten it all right. Not that your life is perfect. Not that you've figured out your mess. He celebrates you. With great joy, he rejoices. He will quiet you By his love. If you are here in those voices of stress and worry and exhaustion and the the feeling of what do I have to give is overwhelming, let all of those voices be quieted by his love. He says, it's going to be okay. I love you. That's it. So we gather and we receive this love he will exult over you with loud singing anybody in here have a terrible voice like me do you know what the good news is our singing is not so that we can sound really pretty our singing is in response to a god who sings over you and me with great joy Songs and melodies that we can't even begin to imagine. Songs of celebration for you are his child, whom he loves dearly. So if you're here today and you're worn out and you're exhausted and you're tired, don't give anything this Christmas. Just receive it. You are loved. You are seen, you are heard, And God, this Christmas, in the midst of all your crazy, is in your midst, with you, and for you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you rejoice over us, that you are filled with loud singing, with great excitement for who you have made us to be, that you have covered all of our shame, all of our brokenness, you are healing. When we have nothing left to give, you invite us to simply receive, to come and receive your word and the promises you speak, that in that day when you come, you will be in our midst, God with us forever. You invite us to simply receive all of your love and your joy and your peace and your hope, to be poured into like a vessel soon to be overflowing with this goodness of god god we pray we'd bring all of our humble and empty selves that we would lay ourselves bare before you and simply receive this christmas your love and your kindness in jesus name we pray amen Now, my wife pointed out to me the irony that after preaching about having nothing to give, we're going to collect an offering. (laughs) So now that we recognize the irony, um, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about our 2022 Cultivate Community Initiative. I have shared with you guys about our goals to foster friendship, to sustain our future, And if you haven't been able to be here for that, you can learn more about that at thepointknocks.com. But today I want to share with you perhaps the most important of all the things we're doing with Cultivate Community. It's what we call serving our city. Over the last several years we have partnered with the Community Coalition Against Human Trafficking in many and various ways. We've done projects for them, we've served at their space, but in the last year we've used our building as a site for counseling with some of the youth that they um, serve. We're going to continue that in 2022 and we have a brand new exciting partnership that's forming as well with the YWCA where they're going to be using our space here in this building to connect with women who have experienced the pain of domestic violence. And they're going to be offering an ongoing support group here in this space. And I'm really excited for that partnership. Not only are we aiming to connect with organizations and with people doing great things in our community as we seek to serve our city, we believe that connecting the disconnected requires us to go outside of this building and outside of these walls to where people are at. And so for the last 17 months, we have been walking around the neighborhood picking up trash almost every week and we've had the neighbors take notice. People have stopped us along the way and said, only Jesus people would do that. Why are you doing that? People have stopped us along the way and and said, can we join you? And have joined us in picking up trash that morning. But what has me the most excited is several of the businesses located right over there on Emory Place, so our neighbors right there, several have reached out and said, is there more we could do together to make this neighborhood better? And so we've been having conversations about ways that in 2022, we can go out of these walls, out of these um, seats and into the streets, serving in ways like picking up more trash, but also some landscaping and some painting and some simple repairs. Opportunities to make our neighborhood that we live in more livable and enjoyable. I'm really excited for those opportunities. But these partnerships, these projects, while they're really important, As we talk about serving our city in 2022, we believe the most important way we can serve our city has nothing to do with this building or this neighborhood, has everything to do with you, everything to do with your neighbors and the people you live and work and play with. You see, if all of our efforts as a church centered around what we can do as an organization, we'd be missing out on the greatest opportunities God has given us to connect the disconnected. There are people you know who don't yet know how much they're loved. And so we hope in 2022 to help you uh, with some very practical resources so that if you want to connect with your neighbors better, you want to serve your neighborhood in a new way, we want to help you do that. Whether it's something as small as a bonfire for your neighbors or something maybe much bigger like block parties that you're hosting that may never bring people from the party to the point but they make your neighborhood more like a neighborhood and less like a place where you live. That's our goal. That's what we are aiming for in this next year and to do that we need some resources. And so we've talked these last couple weeks about those of you who want to partner with our efforts to cultivate community considering giving a special year end gift or a new recurring online gift, one that happens on a regular basis to say, I want to support this work throughout the year. So if you're here today and you would like to partner with us as we foster friendships and we sustain our future and we move into the city to serve our community in new ways, if you're excited about this, you can give a gift online at thepointknox.com by click, clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner Or if you prefer, you can do so in cash and check in the popcorn buckets in the back as you leave this morning. And in those same buckets, you can place the connect card if you're somebody who prefers the physical one so that we can pray with you, so that we can connect with you, and so we can love you better. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. I'm really excited for Friday night, the Christmas Eve services, so I hope you plan on joining us Friday. I think it's going to be a really special time of connecting with Jesus. Now's the part of the service where I get to do my best to not look like a fool as you have texted in questions, and I'm going to try to respond. And if there's any question I don't have a response to, I'll respond later in the week on social media or next Sunday if you'd prefer. So, Adam, what questions came in today?
1: One reminder... And two questions. The reminder is, make sure everyone who's here gets some cookies in the back. And the only reason there's cookies left over is because I didn't know we had cookies this morning.
0: (laughs) And the reason you didn't know we had cookies this morning is because Liz Kula brought them after you had come in so that you didn't eat them all. Smart, smart, yeah. So she brought them from home just as a way to say, hey, I love you guys, point family. So it's back there by the coffee if you would like some cookies before you go. cool. Two other questions. The first one, pretty easy, it says, why is the sign outside say First Christian Church? That's a great question. So this building is a historic building that was built supposedly in 1905. I've also read 1916, and I don't know how you get off by nine years, but at least a hundred years ago by a church that was called First Christian Church. And they were here uh, until 2015 when they couldn't support this building anymore because it's a large building and they had become a very small congregation. So when they left, our landlord bought it. It sat empty for a little bit. Another church was here for about 12 months and then they kindly offered it to us. So it still has the uh, name of the original church even as we, the Point, are a different congregation in the same space. So the only other question... It's a good one it says, "I find it ironic that God
1: made world hunger happen, slavery being killed and war etc and the devil only made two people eat fruit
0: do you think you should trust either one <laughs> uh, that's great so did God make all this this suffering and this pain and this evil that we experience uh, I'm a I love the story in Genesis of Adam and Eve. I think there's a lot of rich stuff there. But one of the really, really profound things that I've noticed in that story is prior to eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the only thing they knew was good. Everything they knew was good up until that point. Which means to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was intended to say not to become enlightened and know things... Rather, if you eat from this tree, you will have the experience of evil, because that was the only thing they were missing. And so it was not God's design or intention that we would have world hunger and all of this evil and all this stuff. Rather, that tree was placed there so that when Adam and Eve came to the tree, they could look and say, God, how great you are that only you know what is evil and know the experience of pain and suffering. And instead, they wanted to be like him in a whole new way and join him in knowing what suffering is. And that's why we hurt today. But also, in that same story, God promises that he will send one who will conquer the devil well before he even curses us for the reality of our sin. God has always planned on Jesus being the one who rescues us from suffering. Because suffering was never supposed to be the way we were designed. Amen. Yeah. Those are all the questions. There's one more that actually came in last week that got overlooked because I texted in a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the question was, should we take a poll if Die Hard is actually a Christmas movie? No. And the answer is no, because if you don't think so, you're just wrong, right? <laughs> of course it's a Christmas movie. <sighs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. It was probably your question that came in. So. If I don't see you on Friday night, I hope to see you next Sunday. If you're traveling for Christmas, I hope you travel safely and have a wonderful time with friends and family or whoever you're going to see. And if you're here and you're going, "Ah, Christmas alone is such a bummer, come join me because I'll be here and then we won't be alone. How's that sound? All right. Go this week with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a wonderful week.
1: Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.